Well, we'll turn to Deuteronomy 32, and we'll look at that in a moment. But there's something I, I just wanted to say. Uh, weekly, we talk about various things. And uh, <clears throat> I was reading this uh, article by a man called Ray Youngen. Ray Youngen wrote a book called A Time of Departing. And <clears throat> he heads this, he, he made a, a little statement, turning to contemplative mysticism, or a relationship with Jesus Christ, which will it be? And here's what he says. If you have read A Time of Departing, the book I wrote about contemplative spirituality, and are left wondering about your relationship with God, remember that knowing Jesus Christ is not merely religion or spirituality, but it is rather a personal relationship with him. Romans 10 verse 2 speaks of those who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Many contemplative writers describe a spiritual despondency they suffer before turning to mystical prayer as a remedy. And consequently, they have an, ache, an acute sense of spiritual failure that propels them into the waiting arms of the silence. In contrast, the Gospel presents a plan that is uniquely initiated by God. Scripture clearly states that salvation depends entirely on the grace of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Furthermore, Christ's death on the cross for our sins fully solidifies in our minds a tangible expression of the unearned and undeserved nature of our salvation. When Jesus said it is finished, he proclaimed in three words that our salvation depends enti entirely on the finished work of Christ on the cross. Let me therefore caution you in following any teaching that suggests that Christ's work was incomplete or unnecessary, or that there are other paths to God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christianity is uniquely different from all religions in that it does not contain the erroneous premise that man is basically good or even divine and consequently can earn his way to heaven. If you have never found peace, the peace of knowing Christ, I urge you to read the first five chapters of the book of Romans and allow the Holy Spirit to draw you to what is being said and offered. The only prerequisite is to recognize your inability as a sinner to save yourself. Then in simple faith, Tell God you are now trusting Christ and him alone to be our Lord and Saviour. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5. Verses 1 and 2. That's uh, partly out of his book, A Time of Departing. You know, it is vital to understand 
by contemplative spirituality, which is a, a spiritual belief system, which is contrary to scripture. All these breath prayers, uh, repeating things like mantras, all that is creeping in. It's contrary to scripture and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet it has been rapidly being infused into countless evangelical churches, universities, colleges, and all the rest of it, and accepted by many Christians, all in the emerging church, uh, new evangelicalism, and all that type of thing, are all accepting this type of thing. Rick Warren, uh, Willow Creek, and many others. So beware, beware of anything which is promoting contemplative mysticism in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, look at Deuteronomy 32. We're going to be looking at this chapter for the next few weeks. It's Moses' song, the song of Moses. Now, that there is the song of Moses in Exodus 15, when they came through the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army had been defeated and uh, Moses sang a, a song. How great God was. How great the victory over sin and death was. And in Revelation 15 we, we read that they, they, they sing the song of Moses there and the song of the Lamb. The song of the Lamb, a song of victory. The song of Moses was a song of victory. But this is the, a different song the song which Moses wrote here in Deuteronomy chapter 32. We read a few verses, just the first six verses this morning. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew. As the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that hath bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? That will do us for this morning. God will bless his word to us as we look at it and study it. Perhaps the first thing we should look at is as to why Moses was to write this song. What was the reason why God instructed him to write this song? If you go back actually to chapter 31 and we read just a few verses from verse 19. Now therefore write ye this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. 
For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them that this song shall testify against them as a witness. That this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of their mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination which they go about even now. Before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Israel would fall into sin. So this song, it says in verse 19, may be a witness for me, God says, against the children of Israel. This song which all Israel was to learn was to be in the future when Israel had sinned a witness by and for God as to how Israel had abandoned him for false gods. Israel, instead of being an example to the people around as to how God had blessed them in their walk for him and with him, this song would be produced as a witness as to how they had abandoned their merciful God for false gods. How sad that God had to have this song written so that someday it will be a witness for him against the children of Israel. You know there are many false gods being worshipped in so-called Christian buildings. Interfaith or ecumenical services today are promoting false gods. And God's word, the Bible, will one day be a witness for God against those who are promoting these false gods. How can we have communion with people who are promoting false gods. God warned against it for the children of Israel. They would go astray. The worship of Mary and all that entails and many other things. There are many false gods around. Someday God's word will be a witness against those promoting such services and such false gods. Psalm 96 reminds us, verse 5, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The gods of the nations are idols. There's only one God, one true God, who has a son. The Lord Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross for the sins of the world. 
Incidentally, just by the way, last week, Martin Beckford, the religious affairs correspondent of the Daily Telegraph, reported that the government is being urged by 28 leading scientists and academics to make the teaching of the theory of evolution compulsory in all primary schools. Another false god has been introduced into our schools. We need to be on guard for the sake of our children. How many churches today actually are in favour of evolution in some forms or another? So let's look at this song, this song which was to be a witness against Israel for God when Israel had sinned. Look at verse 1, the start of this song. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O ye earth, the words of my mouth. When I read this, I was reminded of Psalm 97, verse 6. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, worship God, all ye gods. Or... Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. This opening in Deuteronomy, the first verse, it, it grabs your attention right away. I am about to speak, God says, and it is important. So pay attention. It's interesting that it says, O heavens, and then on it says, O oh, earth. You know, we, this could apply perhaps to the Jews, or God's earthly people, and the church, and God's heavenly people. The word of God, we can apply it to our hearts. Even though it was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the Bible is still relevant so relevant today. And the first thing God through Moses says is about doctrine. Which is interesting. Verse 2, my doctrine. Sound doctrine is the first and most important subject for any Christian to adopt in his walk with God. It was true for the children of Israel and it is true for you and for me today. Now, I know that doctrine is not a popular subject with many people today. Especially in the ecumenical movement and the new evangelical movement and the uh, emergent church movement. How many times we will have heard, or if you haven't, you soon will, doctrine divides. Doctrine divides. It's love that matters. I don't think you'll find this sentiment in the Word of God. Rather, sound doctrine is the norm 
for Christian growth according to God's word ah but love is important oh sadly I find those who promote such an approach that doctrine divides and love is important they're usually those who will compromise the teachings of the apostles in scripture regarding doctrine here are a couple of passages just as we should remember 1 Timothy 1 verse 10 for whoremongers for them that defile themselves with mankind for men stealers for liars for perjured persons and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine beware these things are contrary to sound doctrine 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves heap to themselves teachers having itching ears there be heaps of these teachers that's what it says and their doctrine will not be sound Titus 1 verse 9 holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. How can you exhort and convince those who are going astray by sound doctrine? Titus 2.1 But speak thou those things which become sound doctrine. Romans 16.17 now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And avoid them. Second John 1 verse 10 If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speak. Oh, it's very difficult. You can't do that. John thought you could. So it is not at all surprising that this song, which Moses was given to write, starts with doctrine. For Israel, there could not be any progress in the promised land if their doctrine was wrong and capable of being compromised now I know when you mention doctrine immediately there seems to appear in people's minds something hard heavy weighty boring difficult something which they could well do without in their Christian life you know that's the same as saying to somebody who's going to play football, you don't need the rule book. Well, when you see some of these players, I don't think they've read the, read, the rule book, but nevertheless, to play the game properly, you have to know what the rules are. To walk in accordance with God's will, we need to know the doctrine of Scripture. 
This thing about doctrine being difficult, heavy, weighty, which can well be done without in people's Christian lives. What did our Lord say about his doctrine as he explained it in Matthew eleven twenty-eight? The Jewish leaders had made life difficult for the people with their man-made doctrines. They imposed additional laws and enforced them on the people. Jesus criticised the leaders for their double standards. And then he says in Matthew 11 and verse 18, he says, John came eating and not drinking, and neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and they say, Behold a man gluttonous and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. People will always criticize those who seek to follow the doctrine of the word of God. Be sure of that. But here's what Jesus said to those people. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Oh, take his yoke upon us. That's going to be burdensome. That's going to be heavy. He goes on. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My doctrine is easy. My doctrine is light. To follow the doctrine of Christ, he says elsewhere, is a joy. He said that he had come to give us life in abundance, abundant joy. Sadly, we see churches who have gone away from the doctrines of Scripture. We look at the church services we see around us, the liturgy, the rituals, the divided system between clergy and laity, the set prayers, the man-made doctrines. Where is the joy and the lightness about which our Lord spoke? How many of us are prepared to rest in the Lord? Ye shall find rest unto your souls, Jesus said. Psalm 37 verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. We do not, unfortunately, trust our Lord completely. Rest in the Lord. We fret about things rather than learn to wait patiently upon our gracious God and Heavenly Father. Now look again at verse 2. and See what this doctrine is going to be like. 
My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. The, the, the feeling is that it shall drip down. Drip down gently. You know, we've a few lettuces up in the garden growing. I don't empty a bucket of water over those small little plants and swamp them out. I gently let the water fall and it builds up those little plants. That's what it says here. My doctrine shall drop, drip down as the rain. Our blessed Lord knows my weaknesses and he builds me up gently with his doctrine. Matthew 12 it says in verse 20 a bruised reed shall he not break. It refers back to a prophecy in Isaiah. Don't snap something off because it's a bit bruised. And smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. The bruised person will not be broken by our Lord Jesus Christ. He'd be encouraged. The smoking flax smouldering instead of giving a bright light will not be stamped upon and snuffed out but rather treated in love and gentleness and encouraged to shine brightly for him. How? Through his doctrine. Then it goes on to say, My speech shall distill as the dew. Don't know whether you went out early this morning into the garden. Beautiful morning. But the dew was on the grass. How beautiful it was. How fresh. How refreshing. The word of God. The doctrine of Jesus Christ is refreshing. Psalm 85 and verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his children. My speech, it says, shall distill as the dew. His voice speaking to us will refresh us as the dew. How lovely to go out and see the dew on the grass on a summer's day. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. He speaks. And the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me be falling. But he bids me go, through the voice of woe his voice to me is calling. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me. I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there 
none other has ever known. My speech shall distill as the dew. Turn for a minute to Hosea. The book of Hosea is, is very interesting. At that particular time when the prophecy was made and when Hosea lived, Israel, in actual fact, were, they were going through a time of prosperity. God had permitted them to be successful. But you see, if you read verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, they refused to see that God had provided their wealth. And they attributed their wealth, in actual fact, to their idol worship. Look at Hosea 2, 5 and 10, 1. You'll see those various uh, points. But it's the last chapter uh, of Hosea I want to just glance at. Read from verse 4. Hosea, at the start of this chapter, begs Israel to come back to him. And if they do, he says in verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. O Israel, as it had been predicted in Deuteronomy, had gone away fallen away they'd backslidden into idol worship and they were attributing their wealth and fatness to those idols God calls them back and he says I will heal their backsliding I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from him I will be as the dew unto Israel he shall blossom as the lily and he shall cast forth his roots as Lebanon. What a wonderful picture. He will be refreshing as the Jew unto Israel. And as a result of this God healing their backsliding, they shall blossom out as the lily, put their roots down deeply into his doctrine and faith. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. Lebanon with their beautiful trees. Ever walk through a forest, the cool of an evening? That wonderful smell you get. Oh, it's, it, it, Israel was going to be changed. They that dwell under the shadow of his, under his shadow, shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Oh. What a picture this was of Israel being restored and someday will be restored in the future 
back to that place that they rightly have and should have maintained in fellowship with God they're going to be as the, he was going to be to them as the dew he was going to refresh them and forgive their backslide back to Deuteronomy 32 it says going on in verse 2 as the small rain upon the green herb and as the showers upon the grass the tender rain falls on the tender plants but when the plants mature the showers come to provide more growth how gracious God is to us when we need that special loving care and tender love. We learn his ways when we are young Christians, but we must also learn to grow. Peter encourages us in Second Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We do not want to remain tender plants all our lives. We need to grow and produce fruit for our Lord. Changing the picture for a moment in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 2. I have fed you with milk, Paul says to the Corinthians, and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Hebrews 5 and 12 For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need milk, and not of strong meat. The doctrine we have will help us to grow become strong Christians any gardener or farmer never wants his tender plants or his animals to remain as calves or tender plants we need to grow so that we may withstand the storms of life and produce for our Lord and Master we need the pure doctrine of the word of God to nourish us and help us to grow. Hebrews 5.13 For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. First Peter 2.2 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Oh yes, when we're young Christians we need the milk of the word but as we get older in the Christian life we should be going on to stronger things, to the real meat of reading God's word. Are we growing in the doctrine of man or are we growing in the doctrine of God? A very important question. The the, the converts, the new converts in Acts 2, we read they continued steadfastly 
in the Apostles' Doctrine. The Apostles' Doctrine. Not man-made doctrine. The Apostles' Doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And the result was that fear came upon every soul. People realized that these people were sound in their faith and in their doctrine and they had a godly respect for them. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. That's the trouble with people down there. They're not single-minded in their approach to the word of God. They're muddled. Their minds are full of other things. We need to be single, have singleness of heart. Praising God and having favour with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We're daily finished. We're not, we're not have time to go on to any more than this, the second verse. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall still as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers, the heavier rain, upon the grass. Ephesians 4. I'm going to read a passage from verse 14. You can say it much better, always, than I can say it. For we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, and by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. All the parts have to work together and you don't have baby parts on a man's body. They all have to grow. We all have to grow in the knowledge of God together. Therefore I say and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Oh, that's a very good example of the way people walk in the world today. In the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness but ye have not so learned Christ 
If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old way of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbour, for ye are members of one another, all part of the church. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labour, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. These to seal in our hearts and in our lives unto the day when we shall fully uh, be redeemed in glory. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God, dear children. 